Hey, this is Tom Atona, Bullet Club Original, OG, Triple, Triple, O, Freaking G, New Japan Pro Wrestling Athlete, and you're listening to Wrestle In. What's happening, everyone? I'm joined by a man who's always in the conversation for being the greatest commentator of all time. He's been part of WWE's Attitude Era. He's done commentary for Ring of Honor for a number of years, and he's currently the lead English commentator for New Japan, where he's been for the last six years. He's my personal favorite commentator of all time. Kevin Kelly, thanks for joining me at Wrestling. Kieran, thank you so much. I appreciate it. Uh, it. Again, to say I'm the best of all time, no, I don't agree with you at all. I would put Gordon Stoley and Jim Ross and Bob Cottle and Ed Whalen and a host of others <laughs> ahead of me but i do appreciate it and i certainly have enjoyed uh my time with new japan no it's more than deserved so of course the majority of 2020 you couldn't be in japan how was it to finally get back to japan for wrestle kingdom for in the tokyo dome and be back behind the commentary desk it was great it really was it was a personal sacrifice as you know as people are aware i i i knew that if i went I had to miss Christmas with my family and, and new Japan gave me the option. They said, we understand if you don't want to miss Christmas and you know, if you want to call wrestle kingdom from home, that's fine. Uh, but you know, you can be here if you would like. And I said, uh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, I had to talk about it with my family, but I pretty much told them this is what I need to do. Uh, oh, you know, we'd all, we'd all been in it together for, for the whole year. And I just <laughs> thought like, let's just, Let's start this new year off with some hope. Let's get it off on the right start. And let me be there to call Wrestle Kingdom live. And then we'll see how it goes. It wound up being a long, I was there uh, like, I don't know, almost 50 days. So it was a long tour, but uh, I was happy I went. Yeah, of course, a big part of the tour, you was doing commentary by yourself as well. Because um, Chris Chunk and the company, you, you had Al Fantasma join you on the odd occasion, uh, sometimes reluctantly. How was it doing the commentary by yourself? How is it different aside from obviously being by yourself? Is it more difficult or? It's, it's different. It's more difficult. And it tested me as a broadcaster. Um, and and I, I thought, because I, you know, I was never sure that, you know, I always wanted to be in, in wrestling somehow, some way. And I, as an announcer, I never wanted to be a wrestler. I always wanted to be the announcer. Uh, Gordon Soley was my idol and, and I grew up in Florida. So that was who I listened to. But um, the plan B, if wrestling didn't work out was baseball. Mm -hmm. And I called baseball in college and I am, I will listen to any game on the radio because I love baseball on the radio. I don't even I don't even need to have a rooting interest. Doesn't have to be my team, the New York Mets. Um, I just need to listen to baseball on the radio, and that was what I thought. It's just having a chat with my friends, and because that's the best baseball announcer, you know, uh, when they're doing their best, it's always just like, hey, some friendly voice on the other end who's a fan, just like all of you watching at home. I just happen to have some you know, uh, more knowledge and more stats in front of me that I can relate to you guys. So that was really my thought. I appreciated having Phantasma with me. I would, I would have, I could have done without him leaving. At first I could have done without him retiring and then unretiring and then re un re-retiring. 
to go after Hiromu. Um, I could have done without that. But I appreciate it. Like I appreciated Zack Sabre Jr. joining me for the main event. That's not his thing. He did it reluctantly. He didn't want to, but I, I kind of twisted his arm because I felt like if he felt comfortable enough, he could lend really good insight to Ibushi and Sonata. And I felt like he did. It was just difficult to hear him because they didn't have, I don't know this 100% to be true, but I, oh, people couldn't hear him. I think they had his level set for Phantasmo. And then when oh. there wasn't anybody with me, they just never readjusted the levels. Right. Because he wasn't with me the whole show. So, so El Phantasmo is extremely loud, is he then? In comparison. Yeah, take like. off your shirt. Come <laughs> on. Take off your shirt. He looks like a soccer mom and he looks like a Walmart mom. Okay, pal. <laughs> so over the years, you've had tons of different people join you on the commentary desk. You just had the LP and Zach. You know, you've had fellow commentators, Don Callis, Excalibur, Matt Stryker. We've had loads of wrestlers, Ballot Farley, Lance Archer. One of my favorites was Juice Robinson at the Best yes. of Super Juniors. I thought he was phenomenal. He was so funny and he was so insightful. Um, do you have any particular fond memories of people that have joined you on the desk or anyone that you would rather doesn't join you again? You know, I, I liked everybody in their own way. You know, Fale, of course, very soft-spoken. And uh, it just he gave me that line that I still use today. He's got one of those faces you just want to punch. Um, <laughs> And, you know, one of my favorites was uh, Chris Saban, who called the best of Super Junior, I think, the final night of the tournament a couple of years, I think the year before Juice. And he had torn up his knee, so he was going to be out of uh, the next year's tournament. So that's when, you know, the idea was floated to have Juice on board because he was not going to be on the tour otherwise. So... I, I've enjoyed everybody that I've had, and it's more of getting them, whoever joins me, to believe in themselves, to just sit out there, because it's one thing to be a wrestler in the post-match comment area or on the mic, standing in the middle of the ring and doing it live, but it's another when you have the headset on, and it's like, oh my God, I've never <laughs> done this before. It's okay, it's okay, don't worry about it, I'll lead you through it. And sure enough, we just wind up having a chat and I pull their personality out and we get to, we get, you know, learn some insight fans do about, you know, whoever it is. Look at Rocky. Rocky started like, kind of like, I don't know if I want to do this. It's a <laughs> lot of pressure. And, uh, and now he's become really great. Um, Chris Charlton has a terrible voice. I say this all the time in every interview. You probably gets so mad. But if you think about it, he's a writer and that's not his thing. But boy, he's taken to it. He's really easy to produce. He's like, you tell him once and he never does it, never have an issue again. And it, it, and it's always just like, say a little less here, say a little more here. And we've refined his role to where now when Chris is with me and there's three of us together or four of us, uh, the analyst can analyze. Chris can plug in with his, you know, just crazy knowledge of history and he can relate history to the now i just keep the boat going straight and it all just works and there's no producer i'm the only one there's nobody in our ear they don't tell us when to start they don't tell us when to finish and it, we just have a blast it's a load of fun well that was one of the things i wanted to ask you of course you know notoriously in wwe the commentators will say how they have Vince McMahon in their ear 
Um, right. Do you get any, like, I know you don't have someone in your ear, but do you get any guidelines when, before you go out of, you know, we want to get this point across or is it just entirely you, you do, you do you? Nobody has ever said anything to me other than uh, we have commercials in this show. Oh, okay. Thank <laughs> you. Or um, keep an eye on the Japanese announcer producer because he will tell you when to end the show. Right. Okay. And so I glance across and I see him, his back, uh, flashing cards that are written in Japanese and I can't read, <laughs> giving hand signals that I pretty much could figure out. And I just guess right. other than that, zero. They don't write notes. They don't, they don't do anything for us. And that's totally fine because I, at, at this point in my career, I should be the one producing. I should be, you know, on headset in the back and, and there should be somebody else doing it. Uh, but that's not the case. And I could do it and I would be really good at it because I've done it now for, I don't know, I don't even know how many shows I've done where I'm producing the commentator sitting there at the desk. It's experience like no other. Um, speaking of all the other commentators you've had with you, is there ever any, has there been another wrestler or a commentator who was planned to join you on commentary or you was hoping but never planned out for any reason? I know Lance Archer wanted to do more. Right. Hmm. I'll tell you this, this is funny. So uh, before Don Callis, they had floated because it was going to be Kenny and Jericho. Right. And they had floated the idea of Bret Hart. Oh, wow. And I said, I go right ahead, reach out to him. Before they did, because they didn't have his number, Kenny suggested Don. Right. And so that's how Don Callis came to be. But actually, one of the first names that was floated uh, not too long before, uh, oh, yeah, it's not going to be Brett now. It's going to be Don Callis. Oh, cool. I've, I worked with Don. I love Don. He's great. Um, yeah, it was, was Bret Hart. They were thinking, oh, Canadian. Okay. <laughs> Could be anybody, right? <laughs> um, but that, uh, that would have been interesting. That would have been a lot of fun. I think Brett would have been, it would have been like, whoa um and you know bless his heart poor yoshitatsu oh <laughs> the plans we had <laughs> just wasn't his thing man he just yeah. didn't want to do it no i can vividly remember you trying your best to get him involved and he just didn't seem then to... after a while i just yeah. stopped and i <laughs> i even said because striker kept going back to him more is like a to pop himself and i was just like, <laughs> stop just let's just end this and call the match ourselves What's a, a normal day for you when you're in Japan preparing for a show? Uh, like, you know, how do you, what's your preparation process going into a show? So if, um, if I have landed just the day or so before, it's drinking a lot of water. I've already got my notes printed out ahead of time. And I'm trying to rehydrate myself because you lose a lot of fluid on the plane. Then if I've done a show, like say back to back, I am hydrating a lot because I use a lot of water vapor leaving my mouth. And I feel very dehydrated after I do a show. So 
it, it's generally trying to find a place to print notes and drinking a lot of water and, and Pocari sweat. <laughs> and then after the show, it's coming back, making tentative plans to go eat and more times than not going, I'm just too tired. I'm going to bed because <laughs> my brain is like so tired after, after a show. Uh, you know, sometimes like a road to, I can handle going across the street to McDonald's from Cork and Hall and I can, I can throw that down, but then I'm in bed pretty quickly after that. But if it's a big show, I'm spent. I am spent. Like after, after Tokyo Dome, I did not leave my room either night. I just went right back to my room. Both nights I had tentative plans to go out and grab some food. Both nights I messaged who I was supposed to go out with and said, I can't make it. I'm exhausted. Uh, um, obviously, you spend all this time preparing your notes. You go over all your stats, you know, shout out to the Chris Samsa as always. Yeah, He's thank you, terrific. Chris. It's a great, it's always a great addition to my notes. Um, is it just a nightmare when you've got all these notes and the wrestlers are coming over to you and they're fighting near you and heaven forbid they decide to put themselves through your table? Does it just throw all your work out of order? Is it just a nightmare? Are you secretly hoping they'll go to the Japanese announcer's desk instead of yours? No, I, um, there was one time and it was a Dominion and I can't remember when it was that I was unable to print my notes. So I had them on my phone. Right. And then because I hadn't saved the notes to be able to read offline, I couldn't access them at all. And I realized this during the first match. And I was like, oh my God, I'm going to sit out here and call Dominion and have no notes. But since I had written them, I was able to recall a lot of what I had written. And at that time, I was really much more reliant on the notes than I am now. Now I write them just in case I forget. But a lot of it I'm able to just recall. And I'll, I'll weave in Chris's, uh, Chris Samsa's notes, his stats, I'll weave them in into a spot where I think it'll fit. So that's kind of like, as I'm looking at the card and I'm looking at Chris's notes, I'm thinking, all right, this would be a good spot to get this in. Uh, for example, if it's Suzuki-gun, I know that a lot of times, and this might strike you as funny, Karen, more times than not, a Suzuki-gun match will begin with a jump start. Crazy, right? So I know that that's not like I'll, I'll lay out for Kaze Nina Ray and then I'll wait to see if, you know, it's all hell's going to break loose. If it doesn't, then I can get a quick note in while they're checking, assuming that, you know, Suzuki and crew are going to be jump starting. And then every once in a while you get surprised and you get all your notes in and it's like, Oh, Hey, we're having a regular match. And then it breaks down. Um, so if they get tossed on top of me, uh, which doesn't happen now because of COVID, um, then it's it's not a worry because I had gone through that first, one of the first dominions that I had done uh, with no notes at all. And I was able to avoid disaster. You've, you, you've sorted it now. It's just that it's there to help you out worst case scenario. Yeah, exactly. So obviously now mostly it's you, Gino, some combination of you, Gino, Rocky, and Chris, uh, this dream team, you work so seamlessly together. I absolutely love it. Any combination of you just works so perfectly. And as you said, you're producing commentary for 
to a lot of you. Is it difficult to produce and make sure the guys are doing what they need to do whilst also doing your own commentary at the same time? No, it's not. And that's a testament to them and how easy it is to produce them. Uh, there are some nights where I don't have to say or do anything. And, so, and usually it's a little hand motion. It's a stop. It's a wait. Or it's a, come on, go, go, go. I'll, you know, elbow Chris or something or tap him and, and wave him into the conversation. Sometimes I will just ask a question. Gino, what about this? Rocky, what's he doing? And they take it and they run with it. Um, and then I can work around whatever it is that they say. I'm paying attention. Again, when you have a headset on and someone is talking to you, you are listening to them and not what's being said to the person next to you. So therefore you don't know how to follow up with what they just said. And more times than not, uh, you can tell because a lot of times there will be some little nugget said that needs a follow-up that they don't follow up with. And they just go on script with what they were told to say. It doesn't work like that. <laughs> I have to listen to Gino so that I can either castigate him for being you know, a, an atrocious human being or agree with him for being right, you know, or play off of what Chris has said in relation to what we're seeing currently in the match that validates their point and also keeps the conversation moving. Sometimes my, I'll end the thought by calling whatever I see and then moving on or sometimes I'll call what I see and then reposition because it needs it. Give me a little bit more on this, Chris. I'm fascinated. Tell me, Gino, how do you sleep at night knowing that, you know, in your heart of hearts, you're a cold, callous villain, it, whatever. <laughs> it, it's the, it's there and it, it gets, it gets them over. It gets me over by simply just directing. And again, it's, keeping that boat moving, keeping the story of the match going. The focus is on the ring. Every once in a while, the focus becomes us and we'll have a bickering session. Okay, that's cool. But I always remind the guys, whatever ha-ha you got planned, let's get it out of the way before the big money matches because the people don't want to hear us ha-ha. They want to hear us talk about this match and everybody's really great about it. And the idea of being able to be a little bit more loose in multi-mans that open up a show is great because a lot of times that might just be planting a seed for something down the road or who knows what. Um, so we don't need to call it like Funk and Briscoe. If we call everything like it's a main event, then the main event call isn't as special. But when it comes time to those money matches, that's where we've got to be serious and all business. Uh, assuming Wikipedia hasn't lied to me, you've been commentating for a, a rap 30 years, uh, maybe 30. this year. Yeah. So obviously, WWE, uh, WWE, wrestling has changed over the years and evolved. Do you yes. think commentary has changed and evolved over the years? How do you think commentary has changed? I don't think it's evolved and changed. Mm -hmm. um, I don't think so at all because it's still wrestling. It's a little different. But I don't call matches significantly more differently than I did 30 years ago. Um, 
and everybody can say, oh, well, the business has changed and everybody's in on it now. Not as far as I'm concerned. And you're never going to hear me uh, breaking rules, as it were, you know, from a uh, from a wrestling standpoint. I'm going to call it straight. That's my job. If a phantasma wants to say insider terms or whatever, or be a wise ass, okay, go right ahead. He can do it. But that's not my job. My job is to call the action. It's to get everybody over and that's it. That's it. It's a pretty simple job. Um, I just know now that I have 30 years of experience and 30 years of callbacks in my own head because you, you'd like to say you've seen it all in wrestling and, and I haven't because I see something new all the time, but I remember back to different situations and I'm able to uh, remember how to convey emotions based upon something I may have done in a, in a previous company or a previous time. All right. um, so obviously in 2020, I said you were working from home, couldn't get to Japan. Were there any moments you were watching from home and you was like, damn, I wish I was there to see that? Oh my gosh. Um, obviously, you know, as we're getting ready to, to do Castle Attack, you know, we're going to do live English commentary. I'll be in the States. Um, but if we could have called evil, turning on lij <laughs> you know i'll never forget rocky and i just looking at each other like what the hell oh my god and i, I those are those types of moments where you want to be there live to be even the the most innocuous road to show i'm i'm just i'm so much better when i'm there and the guys crossing in front of me I just get a story. I get more story out of being there than not being there. So, because again, I only have, if I'm looking at the monitor, I'm looking at the monitor. But if I'm looking away from the monitor and I can see something that going on that's not on the camera's view, I'm telling that story more times than not, they'll cut to it. They're not cutting to it because I'm saying it. They're cutting to it because it's happening but I'm alerting the audience. Oh my God, there's something going on over there. We can't see it. Cause they can only have one camera up at a time. So it, it, those types of things just add to the viewership, add to the audience's experience because I have eyes on everything. You know, Hiromu's parents being in the crowd, for example, when he returned and the, interplay that was going on with Gino and I, if I was home, I wouldn't have seen that. So it's always better to be there. Always better to be at ringside calling it live. Of course. So speaking of moments you have been there for, what are moments that stick out as most memorable for you actually being there to see over the years in New Japan? Because you've got wow. arguably the best front row seat of anybody. You know, it, moments that stick out to me in particular are like when Shibata run in to attack Kenta. That's a moment that I will never, ever forget. Ne I, as, I, as I start to think, you know, the first show I called was uh, King of Pro Wrestling in October of 2015. And when the masked man, the newest Pareja, pulled off his mask and it was Watanabe, I was like, oh my God, <laughs> I had just seen him in Ring of Honor. So that was, you know, the first of those uh, moments that are 
blow you away. Uh, the matches with Tanahashi and Okada, uh, you know, the G1 tournament victories, uh, Naito losing to Zack Sabre Jr. And the woman behind me crying her eyes out, even to the end of the show and me consoling her afterward because she could not stop crying. Uh, and then the shock on a lot of people's faces when they realized I was there at Tokyo Dome. Like I hadn't seen Ibushi for two days or I hadn't seen Ibushi really through whole, I, I, he had to have known I was there. <laughs> but as he came around the corner and he saw us and he, had, he was like, what? I was like, man, you're awesome. <laughs> and those those types of things. Tenzon got eliminated from the Rambo and he comes over. Oh, happy New Year. <laughs> We're on the air, pal. It's all right. It was great. So I have a good relationship with a lot of the guys. And uh, again, I can, I can find out a lot of stuff, uh, you know, because I'm always nosing around. How you feeling? What's going on? How's everything? And more times, not like I asked Sonata, like his thoughts about, well, Ibushi said he would unify the titles. What would you do? And he said, I don't know. And that was the story I told, because that was what he said. I don't know. If he had thought about it, if he hadn't thought about it, but that was his answer to me. He's about as, he's about as, uh, he's very personable. Don't get me wrong. He's very nice, but he's not a wordsmith. Uh, and his English is fine. And, and we've conversated before about innocuous, simple things, but this was a question that I asked him that was pertaining to business, but he, he answered it like he was answering a, a member of the media, which <laughs> I was cool with, because then I told that story on the air. Do you have any other funny little anecdotes like that, you know, whether it be with the Japanese wrestlers or not, of just little funny backstage interactions or people coming up to you on the commentary desk that we just might not be privy to that we don't see on the camera? <sighs> Well, there's one that I save all the time and I rewatch it. I just have the clip. Um, obviously not Naito missing me, even though that was probably the, I think the most like thing that I've ever seen. That was really <laughs> cool. Um, uh, it was Suzuki Goon and LIJ. It was a multi-man match. I don't remember where we were. And Zach had Sonata into the into the fence right in front of us. And I got the microphone out like I always do. I said, what the hell is this? It's an armbar, Kevin, you idiot. <laughs> yes, I, I, I get that. And then I was just like, yeah, I'm, I'm an idiot. He, he has an armbar on him. So those types of things. I, I'll tell you one. There was a famous story about uh, Kojima. Kojima gets ribbed all the time, okay? And there was a famous story about Hashimoto collecting cicadas all day long, putting them in a box and then releasing the cicadas into Kojima's room. Oh my God. <laughs> so that was years before me. So there was something going on to where somebody had a bunch of oranges and they decided to put all of these oranges in Kojima's room. <laughs> And uh, several people were involved in this. So that basically when Kojima came back in, he found his room just filled with oranges. So Finley is telling me the story. And we're laughing about it and laughing at Koji. And he's, you know, ha, ha, ha. 
<laughs> so then Finley comes out for his match. And I don't know where he got it from, but he flips an orange to me and I just lost it on the air. Right. So I had the orange on my desk and then Cody comes out for his match and it may have been the same match. I'm not sure. And Cody's yelling and screaming about something and he sees the orange and he throws it. He goes, there, I threw your orange away. I hope you get scurvy or whatever he said. <laughs> I was like, that's my orange. That was my gift from David Finley. Those types of things. That's just the haha that happens all the time that sometimes we can, you know, be a part of. Uh, but for the most part, the, the wrestlers are in their locker rooms over there and I'm squired away in the opposite side of the building with the world team until the show starts. And then it's, hey guys, how are you? It's got so. me feeling bad for Kojima. He seems like he's like the most wholesome person on Twitter. And when he makes his entrance, they're fit and everyone's ribbing him. That's fun. Just again, a great rib is one where you almost rib yourself to get the rib over. Think about Hashimoto and who he was and where he was at the time. He was the top guy. And all day long when they would stop on the bus, he would collect cicadas and put them in a box and save them because he had this rib in mind. And it's how Kojima puts the rib over that makes it funny. If you walk into your room, oh, cicadas, haha. Ha. But Kojima opens the door. <laughs> I could just imagine that. And Hashimoto down the hall with his door closed, and he's praying that Kojima shows up. Here he comes, oh, door opens, and he hears the scream, and he's like, yes, it was all <laughs> worth it. Um, one thing I wanted to get your opinion on as a commentator is. A famous, perhaps infamous moment with a uh, Jay White, Juice Robinson, the G1 special in San Francisco. Right. Uh, you know, Jay throws Juice into the barrier. JR unfortunately falls off his chair, and Josh Barnett inserts himself into the match as a commentator. What was your first thoughts when you saw that from a commentator's perspective? I felt badly for JR because I knew he was hurt. Yeah. The reason that he got hurt was be not because Jay threw Juice into the barricade, but because the barricades weren't connected. And that's the type of thing that you don't know until you know. And unfortunately, JR got hurt because of it. Josh was wrong for leaving commentary. No shape, form, or fashion, no other way to say it. He was wrong. Uh, nobody was warned ahead of time that the barricades, for whatever reason, were not going to be connected on that side. It made no sense. And... So there was wrong, there was wrong, and unfortunately, JR got hurt, which was the unintended consequences of physical action. That's one of the perils of being at ringside, but certainly one that could have been avoided if the building had simply decided to hook the barricades together. I, it made no sense why. I mean, of course, other than JR getting hurt, it kind of worked out for the better. It made JY an even more hateable scumbag. But sure ducking and diving Josh Barnett it kind of had its odd way of working out and it's always those moments where you never know if something's real or not that you connect the most to in wrestling like what know. if Josh what if Josh would have hit Jay and knocked him out that that's one. why that's <laughs> why you could never do that yeah no of course um it, that's it yeah it, it's the unpardonable sin so as you said you know doing remote commentary uh and 
the moment when evil turned you look to rocky how do you go what's the procedure for doing that do you not watch the shows in advance and then watch it together with the guys and record it what's the procedure we never we avoid spoilers at all costs uh so that'll mean the day of just staying off the phone and simply just getting the file that they send us they'll strip i think what it's called mix minus i believe and and it's the full mix minus commentary mm -hmm. and so i don't have the japanese commentary track but i have everything else and so we'll load that up watch it call it um when we did world tag league slash best of super juniors gino in australia we get on the zoom uh we both load the file at the same time very low tech here i'll tell you we would go three two one click and press start at the same time i would have gino count to see where the file was six seven eight okay that's good we're in sync nine ten got it gino 11 12 stop <laughs> counting and they leave the you know it's like whenever they decide to start recording uh so we you know we would see like the japanese announcers getting their headset on and uh, then the vtr would be when the video would come up full and that would play and then we'd start and record the local audio on audacity so again it's free zoom free audacity and uh uploading everything to dropbox so obviously on top of doing the commentary for the shows in japan new fan strong started and you've been joined by alex kozlov doing that what's that experience been like doing commentary in front of no fans do you have to adapt how you go about it boy at first that's a great question at first i did because at first it was like Oh my God, I'm so loud. I am going <laughs> to distract everybody. And after the first sets of shows that kind of sounded like I was calling golf, I was like, this sucks. I'm just going to be me and just don't worry about it, Kozlov. Just speak normally. Don't speak in muted tones. Uh, and, and everybody in the ring notices it. They said, I've asked a few of the guys. Yeah, yeah, we hear you at first, but then once the match gets going, we really don't pay attention. I didn't want to bother them. I didn't want to distract. And uh, it's not a distraction now. Like I was screaming at the top of my lungs when Moxley attacked Kenta. Holy crap. Um, you know, and here we are. We're a couple of days before the, you know, we finally get to see the match on World. So New Japan Strong, which at first I think started as like a placeholder just to see, you know, because we don't know when the world's going to open back up and but uh, we've got all these guys that are just sitting around that want to do stuff. So let's create a show and, and give them something to do. And I think now it's, it's become its own thing and it's great. Uh, it, it's a really physical, hard hitting show. Holy mackerel. Those young lions, man, oh man. And everybody that's come from the independent scene that's come in has gotten better because of it. And guys are getting signed left and right because they're appearing on new Japan strong, which is great. Fantastic. A lot of these guys just needed opportunity to be seen. Are there any of the new wrestlers that have joined New Japan Strong you particularly want to see make the jump into Japan and you know be performing with the main roster? Well, obviously the the Young Lions, I think all 
will get there, should get there. Clark Connors, to me, is at the top of the list. He's fantastic. Uh, I've enjoyed calling every one of his matches. The newest young lion, Kevin Knight, uh, is a phenomenal athlete. Alex Coughlin has returned from neck injury, uh, and he's looked like he hasn't missed a step. I can't wait to see Carl Fredericks again. Fred Rosser is somebody that I think deserves an opportunity to be seen in Japan. He wrestles a very physical style. I think he would fit in very well. And uh, of course, somebody like uh, Leo Rush would be fantastic in a, in a best of super junior tournament. I would love to see him compete in there. I want to see TJP return. And uh, Mysterioso is somebody that we, we've uh, grown to love. Big poppy pump. <laughs> That's one of those things that just sort of evolves out of, I don't even know how it got started. It didn't come from him. It was sort of like Doki Choki, right? It was something that I had seen on Twitter and I gave it to Gino and Gino ran with it. Uh, Big Poppy Pump, you know, was probably some uh, locker room gag that became a commentary thing. And, and now it's, you know, part of his persona. So I think there's a lot of guys. Uh, there's a hell of a lot more that, that, should get the chance to compete in Japan than should. Jared Kratos is another one. Holy mackerel. Kratos and Dickinson and Team Filthy. You know, if Tom Lawler got a chance, Chris Dickinson got a chance, you'd have to pry those guys out of Japan with a crowbar. <laughs> Dickinson Dickinson wouldn't want to leave. He would just stay. Yeah, and I spoke to Dickinson uh, recently. He's such a pure fan of Japanese wrestling. It's really refreshing for someone he's to sending me he's like sending that. me stuff all the time from other japanese companies and i'm like i don't i don't know what this is <laughs> you refresh my memory on this oh yeah it happened here and he gives me the whole thing i'm like wow i gotta because i i didn't follow all japan i didn't follow noah um i was too busy working i didn't <laughs> have time to you know trade tapes and do whatever whatever fans had to do back in the day so uh so yeah, I, I learned a lot from him. He's got a wealth of knowledge. ACH is another guy I want to see back. Oh yeah, he's fantastic. Yeah, I absolutely love ACH. Do you think strong? Obviously, you've got Kenta Moxley going on IWGP USA Weight Championship. Do you think New Japan Strong needs its own championship title? Yes, it does. And um, I think it needs, I think it needs what it's getting. And there needs to be something every week that will make fans tune in. That's because at first it was sort of like, here's wrestling when you're not seeing wrestling. So fans were like, oh, cool wrestling. <laughs> but now everything's back on the air and WWE never stopped. AEW was down for a little while. They kept going, but it, it it's okay. What are we doing week to week to make people want to tune in? And now we've got adversaries. We've got people on one side, people on the other. As the personalities and different groups have come out, you know, and, and Team Filthy is uh, a force on one side. And, you know, Rocky kind of leading the troops on the other when Bullet Club is involved. Bullet Club is a, you know, I said, there's nobody that, nobody here that's going to stop Bullet Club because everybody's too busy doing their own thing. Guys are gonna to have to come together and put whatever ego aside and they're gonna to have to work together to stop Bullet Club. Well, they're gonna to have to do that now with Team Filthy because if, if the guys are wanting to win matches and get your hand raised a hell of a lot better than the alternate, um, they're gonna to have to come together and put their own egos aside to stop Team Filthy. And that's where we are. 
Yeah, I think Tim Filthy is definitely one of the uh, strongest things to come out of New Japan Strong. That group of people was such a mixed bag from Danny Limelight as a junior to Jail Kratos as a super heavyweight. It's uh, definitely could see them making the jump into Japan as a faction and just being something new and fresh for the Japanese audience. Right, absolutely. So, again, Kenta Moxley. You've got Kenta showing up on AEW. Finjuice have showed up on Impact. Moxley's finally going to be back in the New Japan ring. What are your thoughts on the Forbidden Door? Good for everybody? I think it's awesome for everybody. Uh, you know, when there was talk, Tanahashi had first coined that phrase, I guess. And when he lost to Jericho, I said, and now the Forbidden Door has been closed. And that was it. But now here we are. Uh, I, I, I think, again, it's almost like there's no reason why these companies shouldn't be working together. It gets fans excited and, and let's face it. Um, American wrestling outside of the individual companies themselves could all use a shot in the arm. AEW has been a great success story, but if you think they're happy with where they are viewership wise, they can't be, they know they've, they've put everything in place to deliver a, a television product that is the best that it can be. And they hope that the audience will find them, but they are still growing. Um, and as WWE continues to hemorrhage viewers, what are those people watching instead? What are they, are they, are they just going away? Have they been taken up in the rapture? What's, what's going on with all these people? There are people who watch combat sports on television on a weekly basis you know, during the Attitude Era, it was 10 million a week. And now WWE is less than 2 million a week. Okay, they are where they are. Where are those people and how do we get them to watch our show? And if by bringing the fans from Impact to New Japan, bringing the AEW fans to Impact, bringing whatever, however it works out, I'm cool with it. Let's see. And the fans will uh, dig what they're seeing. Now, at the same time, a promotion can't get too hung up on that. Promotion has to take care of themselves, first and foremost. And they've got to, it's got to be right for everybody involved. Otherwise, don't do it. This just can't be, we need to pool our resources so that we can fight Vince. No, we have to grow our own company. And if by doing so, we have stars from another promotion come and fight our stars, then it has to be, Doing so makes us better. Otherwise, it shouldn't be done. It's the same theory as the NWA world champion, the traveling world champion back in the territory days. If a promotion relied on the NWA world champion to draw them a house, then they were a failing promotion. Because what happens the other 50 weeks a year that you don't have the world champ? And you've got to put rear ends in seats every single week because that's the lifeblood of your company. And if you're not making money as a promotion... The best people are going to leave to make more money somewhere else. And you're, you're never going to get your head above water. When you use the NWA world champion to enhance what you're doing on a weekend, week out basis, that's the perfect scenario. Uh, back to commentary. Are there any particular matches that you've called that you look back on knowing that you feel were the best commentary you've done in your career? Any matches you walked away from just thinking you absolutely knocked out of the park? Wow. Tremendous commentary. I know I listened to my stuff 
you know, that I called uh, jacked and metal back in the day of WWE. And it's like, boy, my voice was high. Um, <laughs> I, I don't know. I always listen to them and I don't listen to a lot of my stuff back. Um, but when I do, like recently with the Roku channel. So I started watching Wrestle Kingdom 14 back a lot. And I was really happy with how that unfolded. I didn't say very much. And that's why it worked because I had three other brilliant analysts with me and I let them all say whatever they needed to say. It's not the Kevin show. Uh, so sometimes when I say less, it's better. When I, when I pick those right moments and they just happen, they're not planned where we'll get into a scenario where one, two, one, two, you know, trading or Suzuki is going to lay those forearms in. We stop talking because you can hear it and you can feel it because you can hear it. So some of my best work is when I don't say a word. So you mentioned your brand list. You and Gino Gambino, on Twitter at least, are collectively the Burger Bros. Yes. Where? What are some of your favorite places to get a burger when you're in Japan? Wow. Okay, so you can't go wrong with McDonald's across the street from the Tokyo Dome Hotel in Suidobashi. Uh, Japanese McDonald's is better than American McDonald's. I know better than English ever... McDonald's too. Yeah, it, it's just better. Uh, they, I think they probably use fewer human body parts in the McDonald's <laughs> over there. Maybe a little bit more actual cow. Um, there's a place in Sapporo called Jacksonville, ironically named. That's the name of it. Uh, it doesn't have a real Florida feel, but they make damn good burgers uh that's right around the street from the hotel of where we were um there's another chain in japan which i like and not a lot of other people like it's lotteria oh i love that yeah i love it it's like a steamed burger it's kind of like a big white castle burger i like that i hate moss burger hate 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 Burger King over there. I hate Wendy's over there. Gross. I don't know what it is. The meat's almost slick. Disgusting. Hate. Um, where else have I gotten a burger in Japan that was really good? Uh, there was a place in Osaka, but I can't remember the name. I only went there once. Osaka's weird because we stay in different hotels. So depending on where we are, some some of the sometimes in Osaka there's a McDonald's right across the street. Other damn, I'm trying to remember the name of it. I can't remember the name of it. But I've had I've had I've had more good burgers than bad in Japan. Yeah, I think that's a that's a safe bet whenever you go like, anywhere to be in Japan. For example, they they couldn't cook a pizza over there to save their lives. <laughs> pizza is the worst in Japan. It's terrible. The sauce is like sweet. It's like ketchup. It's disgusting. Never get pizza in Japan. And it's like $40. It's ridiculous. It's crazy expensive. Uh, but a burger in Japan, you can't go wrong with. Uh, I want to know, are New Japan any closer to fixing your monitor? Because every time Yano is about to win a match, it just drops out. I've, 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 been, I've worked with the troubleshooting team. I've, I've, uh, I've had everyone look at this. Uh, it's the damnedest thing. They've, they've traced the wiring. 
they've actually taken the monitor apart. No, we're no closer. Uh, apparently, it's it's just something we're going to have to work through. Is all I can say, Kieran. It is the damnedest thing. One day you'll get to see how Yano Yano magic works and how he wins all these matches. They tell me afterward, and I'm like, "What are you kidding me? <laughs> blow blow what? Hey, Yano won." <laughs> So one final question, Kevin, and we ask this to all our guests. So we're Wrestle In, I-N-N like a pub. We're talking about Yano and then my microphone, <laughs> the cable came loose. You're good. All good. So all anyway, right. Wrestle In. Yeah, one final question. So we are Wrestle In like a pub, I-N-N. So imagine you've got a table at Wrestle In. What food are you eating? What drink mm. are you drinking? And what two wrestlers are you bringing along for company? Wow. Okay. Um, if I'm sitting there, if I'm doing like an izakaya, I would have fin juice with me. Uh, if we're doing like a um, yakiniku, then I want to be with Chaos. Uh, certainly with Okada, because you can never pay the bill with Okada around. And Yakiniku is <laughs> expensive. Uh, I would love to sit and have a, uh, have a drink and talk to uh, Jay White and uh, Gato. I, I just find, I find Jay fascinating. And uh, to be able to sit and pick Gato's brain would be amazing. Um, yeah, that's pretty much it. You know, kind of the the standard would be fin juice because if you're going to go drinking, happy I mean, all around. right? And, and we're having happy beers, and everybody's good. I'm not much of a drinker, to be honest. So, I, I you know, if I have one, it's on the occasional for kapai and for show, and and that's pretty much it. And like I said, more times than not, I'm in the room asleep and the boys are out drinking until seven o'clock in the morning. So, but yeah, I would love to, uh, I, and I miss like being able to eat with Jeff Cobb, my buddy. So disappointed. <laughs> well, I think that sums it up perfectly, wraps up perfectly. Thank you so much, Kevin. Uh, if you're not already, you can follow Kevin on Twitter at RealKevinKelly. You can follow us at Wrestle In. Kevin, thank you so much for your time. I've absolutely loved this. Thank you again. It's my pleasure. Thank you very much. And thanks to all the viewers. Uh, and uh, again, thank you, Kieran, for, for uh, posting stuff that you posted. It has warmed my heart. It has made <laughs> me feel very good. Thank you. No problem. Thanks.